Hello and welcome to another episode of Impressions of America Politics. I'm Simon and with me as always is Toby. Hi Toby. Hi Simon. In today's episode we're going to discuss three former Trump staffers who worked either as press secretaries to Trump or as White House communication directors. These are Sean Spicer, Sarah Sanders and your personal hero Toby, Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, Toby, let's start with Sean Spicer, who was White House Press Secretary January to July 2017 and White House Communications Director from June to July 2017. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. These attempts to lessen the enthusiasm of the inauguration are shameful and wrong. In many ways, that press conference uh, where Spicer outright lied about the size of Trump's crowd uh, set the tone for the Trump White House and for future press secretaries. Toby, what are your thoughts on Spicer and his role as press secretary? I mean, Spicer, I, th- I guess it's like it's all it's all post-truth, isn't it? So <laughs> the, the, I, with Sanders and with Sp- Spicer, uh, the, the connecting theme is like post-truth, but Spicer was just bad at it. You know, he's yeah. bumbling. Like he, there's um, sort of press conferences where he would like try to move through different uh, notes that he had in in an awkward in a way. That it, it seemed like there was no preparation. It seemed like I don't know. Like when you compare him to Sanders, there's a. I mean, Sanders in many ways is 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 bad. She's a villain. She's she's doubles but she's direct yeah. and she's calculating and she's quite merciless yeah so it's it's spicy. yeah absolutely i think it's quite telling that spicer has basically spent his post trump white house years trying to kind of get in with the media and appear in the emmys and going on late night talk shows and now going on um uh, the american version of strictly come dancing you know dancing with the stars that sort of thing yeah where, Whereas Sanders has talked about being being governor of Arkansas, you know, and it, it, it's quite quite the difference, I think, between someone who is just seen as this silly media puppet who was <laughs> made fun of so well by Melissa McCarthy on SNL. And as you say, was this sort of bumbling fool who lasted a few months and he had a similar aggressive tone to Sanders, but without any of the competence where Sanders kind of felt you know she was more in control spicer did feel as if he was really kind of struggling to back out of his driveway kind of thing it was, yeah. it was, it was quite telling i think and is he, like you said like the difference is almost like cuz he's been on um different shows like um the the the, the dancing with the star show it's almost like he's he, what he's doing is just pr for himself and she's yeah. like a, she's just a sort of uh almost psychopath you know a political psychopath and he's just i need to repair my reputation you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's interesting isn't it i mean you you can kind of clearly divide people to some degree or another between those who are kind of hardline trumpers yeah. like sarah sanders and then on the other side you have sort of uh a sort of self-serving they probably believe some of this to a certain degree but are probably more intent on building their own reputation i mean the yeah. mooch is probably the most extreme example of that probably 
I also think it's telling, like, if you see, like, what they've done since being, um, since working for Trump, like, there's a Fox News show that, that Spicer went on, and he, he, he just talked about how being on the dancing show meant that he could not talk about politics, you know, he just wanted to talk to with nice people who were apolitical. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of division in this country, but, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we can reach across uh, the aisle and, you know, have a, you know, a, a two-step or something like that, you know, we're with our enemies, and uh, Sanders, Sanders went on Fox News, and she was just, and, and they had her defend Trump's economic policy, and defend the, the trade the trade war and defend the sort of the slump in the in the job stats and the stock market and things like that. And she did it with that sort of icy, cold, and quite simple uh, way that she does it. Yeah, yeah, so, so different. I think Spicer, he's kind of remembered more as the fool than as the kind of sort of grand architect of any sort of media plan or any kind of. I mean, in a way, he, you know, he did set a tone as far as press secretaries after him, you know, continued this theme of just kind of out, outright lying to the press, but they were perhaps able to do it in a way which positioned reality in a way which was kind of more um, more real, essentially, or as they could argue that point being real, they, they seemed better at it, whereas Spicer's version of reality always seemed as if someone who had just not studied hard enough for the exam and was just making up answers. At, at least with, at least with Sanders, it at least seemed clear that she had sort of fully committed to her form of reality rather than just having to sort of lie off the facts. I mean, Spicer is—I don't know how well he'll be remembered in the coming years. Whether or not it will just be the kind of inauguration fake numbers, the any fallout with things like Dancing with the Stars and his desperation to be kind of a part of the celebrity life. And then I guess the Melissa McCarthy impression, which was just so funny because it was so ridiculous because he's so ridiculous. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know how much, you know, Sanders may genuinely have a, a career post-Trump White House, you know, if she becomes governor of Arkansas or if she decides to just start clubbing baby seals or whatever she does in her, <laughs> you know whereas spicer is he's he's quite pitiful you know it's quite sad this little man who is so desperate for attention and he kind of comes you know first press conferences he comes out fighting about the fake news and being you know the the, the terrible media and then immediately the poor little boy is trying to jump into bed with him and appear on their tv shows and be part of it it's I, I do wonder once. Yeah, this... and it was almost like the scale of the thing. Like this is yeah. such a like a, this leap into post truth is so it's such it's like a cavern. You know, how are yeah. you going to go over this? And he comes there and he looks down and he's like, oh my god, this is, and he tries, but it, yeah. but he falls. And then I think you can see the way he's been sort of. I think the the producers on those shows they've they've taken to him. But there was that, there was, at some points, there was uh, an attempt, I think, by some journalists to say, no, this, we can't, we can't just have this guy become normalized. Well, and yeah. those those stories sort of died because, and and I think he went on a number of you know, comedy shows and late night shows, and he was treated with, you know, sort of the, the, the kind of respect you treat uh, someone who's pitiful and who's mm. funny. Yeah. Yes. 
rather than you know i mean he was someone who you know i mean there was the one thing again that he was perhaps famous for was where he talked about assad being worse than hitler because assad used chemical weapons on his own people whereas hitler didn't and then he kind of had to apologize for it and even that is quite striking the fact that he did sort of give an apology of some sorts afterwards because the trump white house generally doesn't apologize for anything mm-hmm. they just blame fake news and all this kind of stuff and spicer just yeah, as we say, he was kind of pitiful. It, it, it's interesting that he hasn't distanced himself truly from the Trump White House. I mean, he's he's not attacking Trump. He's not coming out and being, at least not yet anyway, being this kind of like, yeah, I did this, but I, you know, I was under pressure to do it or whatever like that. He's just trying to reframe the argument of, well, that was a job and let's not talk politics and you know just because i'm a republican doesn't mean i shouldn't be allowed on television it's all that kind of normal talking points (laughs) he hasn't yet gone to the point where he's trying to distance himself and i wonder whether or not if if it was found out well we already know but if it was found out through actual you know 100 percent confirmed means that trump was in bed with russia and you know he's an illegal president and you know he's done all these sort of war crimes or you know whatever it is that that trump has been uh, thoughts have done if that's all confirmed and trump gets kicked out of the white house i wonder how quickly people like spicer will start to distance himself from trump whereas sanders i imagine would probably just continue to kind of toe the trump line you know whereas spicer you know i imagine he would cave pretty quickly if it came out trump was you know committing crimes while in office i can't imagine spicer's got a hardcore belief when it comes to trump i think he's more just a a means to an end a, a way of progressing his career to some extent yeah yeah i think i mean i don't know you you i, I don't know if no, there's a, if there's any an, an, an uh, analogs to the nazis or we because with uh um, sanders being almost like a goebbels type figure who would mm-hmm. go down with the ship and then you have this it's all it's always almost like the because you look at Spice, well, I mean, they have similar backgrounds, really. They both worked in politics all their lives. But you look at Spice's background, you know, worked in for a public affairs uh, communications company before getting into the the Trump campaign. He is almost just like he's just a Republican. Yeah. He's or well, you know what? I mean, whatever that that means today. But he's just a. I mean, he's. He's he's like a German who worked for the German army before the Nazis, yeah. and then just worked in the German army with the Nazis as well. Yeah, like, yeah. he he would have been as equally at home under any president. Really, he would have shaped himself to become whatever that president needed him to be. It's maybe Sean Spicer's uh, bad luck that timing worked out that he became part of the Trump white supremacist White House rather than any other sort of legitimate presidency. But then it's also possible that if anyone kind of competent and normal was a Republican leader right now, Sean Spicer wouldn't have become press secretary and he wouldn't have been elevated to the position he was in. Maybe it was only because it was a Trump-style president he was able to get to that level, at least reaching the sort of press secretary name recognition kind of level. Yeah, yeah, especially because, like, on a competency level, he just didn't seem to have it at all. But... I, I almost think in that the early period of that, I mean, that's why if you get people like the Mooch coming through, who, who <laughs> doesn't actually have a communications background at all, but it it's almost seemed like it was a free for all and, and the most uh, scurrilous and shameless individuals managed to 
come to the top, even though even whether or not they had any qualifications for the role at all. But Sanders seemed to have, you know, qualifications for the role. You know, like yeah. they, there's imagine like coming out because I mean there's similar things. You know, whether the the the, the number of people uh, is more than the at, at the Obama inauguration, or is more than at the Women's March. It when compare that to Sanders saying that the, um, the the president had never encouraged violence, even yeah. though he has explicitly encouraged people to throw tomatoes at people and to yeah, fight people Islam, and journal, things like that. Yeah. like in, an actual president inciting actual violence on people that other people can see. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and she she just came out and said, "No, it's never happened before," and she yeah. she had that deadpan face and 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 there was a there's a little bit of irony in it but not not enough it's it really is terrifying yeah what she managed to achieve in that role well that transition transitions us quite nicely onto sarah sanders who uh was um well here's quite an image she was working under spicer for the first few months of the presidency and then she took over from spicer in july 2017 and stayed on as press secretary until july 2019 we have a clip of her in action here I can say that uh, it is very biblical to enforce the law. Uh, That is actually repeated a number of times throughout the Bible. I I know it's hard for you to understand, um, even short sentences, I guess, but please don't take my words out of context. Yeah, so as we've already established, Sanders is a terrible person, a liar, someone without conscience, who has no problem blaming journalists and immigrants and repeating and promoting the white supremacy rhetoric of the president. But as we say, she does it a lot better than Spicer did. In her own terrible way, she is kind of impressive, you know, in the kind of isn't this hurricane that's going to destroy this village kind of impressive. You know, it's the reason she's been touted as someone who could run for governor of Arkansas compared to Spicer, who's trying to get on reality TV shows, is that while she's a bad person, she is at least competent. And uh, I suppose in a way, Sanders is probably the most important Trump staff member. Um, you know, for two years, she kind of fought his wars with the press and was a key member in shaping what Trump supporters heard from the White House. I suppose we've already talked about it, but when, when you can kind of compare her legacy to Spicer, it's night and day, isn't it? It's it's she's the kind of the, the real driving force of the press secretary uh, in Trump's time. Yeah, it's a, it's the same strategy. It's 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 post truth, you know, like re- reality. I mean, to be honest, like other communications people who've worked who've worked in that role have said, you know, the the idea that they would lie to the American people, it's it's so sick. It's not the, the communications people have always lied. Sure, but it's just the bold faced nature of it, and that's probably I'm... why Sanders is so good because yep. it's not about. It's not necessarily innuendo, or it's not uh, perceiving something in a different, slightly different way from from the way it is. It's straight up lying. Yep, absolutely. And that, and that is, I think, is, is quite incredible that 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 she managed to do that, especially with that violence um, comment. And she, and then you you had times when um, members of the pub of the press would try to say, "Oh, um, Sanders, could you?" give us a statement saying that the members of the press are not enemies of the people and she refused to say that they weren't enemies of the people and then it, it, it you you find out that her and her and other members of the strategy team are working to remove the clearances of 
various members of the of the press. So what you have here is someone who is both a strategist and a communicator working under this, I don't know, this this paradigm um, feeling that facts don't matter and mm-hmm. that the world is the world is exactly what Trump feels it is. And 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 from that point, I think it is interesting because even Trump himself, there's this there's a slight level of I, I think humor to to most of the stuff that he's doing, his lies and things like that. But with with Sanders, there's just I mean, it's it's, it's terrifying, quite chilling, really. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it chilling. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if she will go on and have a political career after this, but I think unlike Spicer, who will kind of start to fade and be remembered a little bit as a joke, I think Sanders generally did have an impact on how we think about press secretaries. And I think whereas... I think if they continue to be like Spicer, we could have perhaps written these sort of people off as sort of buffoons of a Trump White House, whereas I yeah, do want... Yeah, yeah, I think that that's where it is, really. Yeah. Whereas... Because you could see they just slipped into roles that they, they were forced to do this these sort of almost uh, morally reprehensible things, mm-hmm. and they had a terrible time doing it because it's difficult. But uh, as you could, you could see with Sanders, it's, it's different. It is, and I do wonder whether or not that now will set the tone. I mean, she's obviously no longer press secretary, and she's been re- replaced by, um, uh, I think it's Stephanie Grisham, I think her name is. So I suppose mm-hmm. time, time, time will tell whether or not she's as sort of able to keep up with Trump lies as uh, as um, Sanders was. But I think the, the kind of bigger issue, even, even the, the sort of terrible nature of her two years, as press secretary is what it does mean going forward and have we now just sort of reached a new point of this is what press secretaries can do i mean should we expect all republican or some democrat press secretaries now to be able to just bold-faced lie to the to the press to the nation to the world i mean is, is that now just going to be an established part i mean even if maybe people don't necessarily reenact every single sort of heinous act that sanders did over two years I, I do wonder if she's now kind of moved the bar lower or higher, depending on how you want to see it, um, to the point where maybe press secretaries are more enabled, more empowered to just kind of distort reality and tell their own truths in a way which perhaps before Sanders we just couldn't really see. I know Spicer started that, but Sanders really kind of perfected the art. Yeah, there's this, um, I don't know if you know, there's this Russian guy called Zerkov who's the public relations guy for uh, Putin uh, <laughs> and Trump. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but she, she's the public relations guy for Putin, and he's known for spinning stories. He came out of the... Actually, he came out of Russian theatre, and he's known for spinning stories, and he's known for um, funding groups, groups that are in opposition to the to the Kremlin and then groups that are for the Kremlin and just creating chaos and then sort of telling people um, that they've that he's done it or that they, they've been involved in this. But that seems and, and people have um, come to the conclusion that this is the sort of 
post-truth way of doing um, public relations for government or public relations for the or, or a president. But it, it's such a complicated and sophisticated thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Sanders isn't doing that. No. Sanders is it. Sanders has uh, got it down to here's here's what actually happened, mm-hmm. and in some instances she's going to say that you know as when people said, oh, did you dictate? Did Trump dictate uh, to his son what what he should say to the Russians? And she said, no, no, he, he offered uh, Trump offered encouragement or things like that. But then she mm-hmm. she will actually lie straight up lie and 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 those are the things that you can find out about through the most shallow google searches like Mm -hmm. i think we're in a much more simple form of because before deceit used to be done in a quite complicated way sophisticated Mm -hmm. now deceit is just bold-faced lying and i think that what you and you asked me the question like are we going to is this going to be a best uh, sort of best case example for future Republican strategists to take up, and I think that um, yeah, it should be because it's it's simple and 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 it's effective because you know the 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 Trump um, media world or that that political space is very happy to um, not only take in these kinds of conspiracies, but is very happy to formulate their own opinions based on uh, information that's not not even being presented as perspective but just false so yeah i mean i mean it's it's quite dreary but i mean <laughs> who cares right now you know <laughs> exactly was was it kelly conway who coined the term or he made the term popular alternative facts alternative now, facts yeah which is essentially I mean, what we've, you've got your facts and we've got alternative yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it you know, we do laugh about this stuff because some of it is kind of genuinely funny in a kind of we're all going to die sort of way. But it, it does it does make you wonder were the were the things that were kind of holding back people from being this terrible simply just a lack of ambition or a lack of not knowing they could get away with it kind of thing? Like Nick Nixon maybe should have just like just been like, nah, you're gonna literally have to like force me out of the White House. Like yeah. like you know, at what point do we kind of go back and just, are we ever going to go back to an age where a president would actually genuinely hold their hands up and be like, yep, you got me, yep, or you're literally going to have to, like, get the army to take me out of this building? Because that, that's what it feels like with Trump, you know, where he's already talking about, you know, he, he's using language about sort of the dangers of you know, the 2020 election and, you know, making quote-unquote jokes about staying on for three or four terms and all this kind of stuff. And I I do wonder if Trump will actually, like, cancel the election in 2020 and stay on for three or four, uh, like, uh, semesters and uh, terms and whether or not people would just be like, oh, we should really stop him, but that would take some effort and we kind of don't want to do that. So Trump's just kind of the dictator of America now. I mean, at what point (laughs) do we actually stop trump from doing these things or have we already just slipped into you know this is robert mugabe and we're living with it kind of thing you know i mean you you mentioned nixon and those people like and we you know we we did a review of the the network we did a review of the network and Mm -hmm. the the, those people in the 70s they 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 hated holderman right Mm -hmm. they hated 
Holderman and they and and the Nixon White House was was famous for um you know sort of giving some outlets more time than other outlets or the New England White House is famous for being you know when you call them the the press people were famous for being a son of a bitch or whatever like that mm-hmm. but it what is, what was that I mean even Watergate itself when you when you read through the the the, the transcripts and, and and things like and you're trying to interpret it Watergate is trying to find a way to prove that the president had enough of a connection to these things but he, he but nixon actually had levels of um uh, protection mm-hmm. like it was it, it watergate is quite i mean they say it's the great you know um it's the great success of the of the the press in that period but it mm-hmm. was it's quite a wonky thing you know? yeah none of this is none of this is wonky it's all out in the open yeah. and it's and it's it's of the same level it is absolutely but it, it's yeah but it, but the, the the press is totally unable to do anything about it and i think probably when you go back to to public relations people in that period and we cover public relations people in the carter white house like i think i feel like that there is a connection between the white house and the press you know mm-hmm. there was a sense in which that these people were coming from the same um culture class that some of the same the universities are coming from the same um that journalists were going in to become press officers and you know, there, there was a sort it's of almost connection. like a sport that they were it all was, like, yeah it was almost like a sport that everyone was enjoying yes but it wasn't uh, yeah it, it reminds me a little bit like I don't know if you ever watched like clips of basketball from like, the 1950s where people couldn't dribble properly and they were scoring like 300 points because like there was no defense and it was it was generally like by today's standards it'd be rubbish but everyone talked about how, how great it was because you know this white guy was using one hand to dribble up the court very slowly and everyone was amazed by it whereas if you transported him now LeBron James would literally be killing him as he dunked the ball over him it kind of feels like the Trump presidency is like the LeBron James, like we've evolved how to be terrible and how to be evil and how to get away with it just by being sort of physically better at this than you are. Whereas the press is still kind of stuck in like the sort of 1950s, you know, little white guy dribbling with the ball kind of thing. Yeah, know. and it's almost yeah. like just the sports lies are like yeah. three the... points from the logo. <laughs> <They are. laughs> Trump is Steph Curry in his way to victory. Yeah, yeah. So... it's cheating. It would be considered <laughs> cheating in the 70s. <laughs> you, you have these like five foot nine white guys from the 1950s going, hang on a minute, this isn't fair. And then you have Steph Curry and LeBron, who I don't know, maybe who's maybe i don't know trump and uh, uh sanders or whoever you wanted to be it, it, it's just like the sport has evolved and journalism doesn't seem to be able to keep up with it it's yeah. i mean maybe it's unfair maybe it is harder than you know we give them credit for etc but it does feel as if things have evolved and we sort of look i mean the very fact that you know, they make films about watergate and they have you know tom hanks and mel streep and they have you know these sort of grand visions of what press and journalism should be today whereas today it's like you're not gonna make you know tom hanks isn't gonna appear in a film about journalists of today barely doing anything about trump as he shacks up with russia i mean it's just yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to envision what more sanders and trump etc can kind of do 
and not and not get kind of caught. But they've done they've done it so well up to now, and maybe it will just keep evolving to the point where we won't have an election in twenty twenty, and Trump will well, stay. Yeah, I don't, no. I don't, I don't necessarily think the the Sanders people have really sort of used the same techniques. But I I would say that like. And I think as you mentioned, like if you go like uh, someone like um, Jim Acosta, for example, like a, a journalist who's in the press corps, like he he recently wrote a book about the Trump White House, mm-hmm. and like thirty four years ago, that book might have been a Pulitzer Prize. It, it probably it, it probably maybe it won a Pulitzer Prize, but it would it would it would be like what a triumph! This yeah. this this book changed the way the press corps. And and the the communications teams for the for the White House like the way they just do everything and it's mm. just like things like that it it's almost like there's a lot of industries where you have like people go to like celebrations and dinners and they give awards to these people and it's just like it's just the journalists giving awards to, to themselves they they're not really they have no power here. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's like it's got to the point where it's like digital marketing people handing each other awards. It's like yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has no actual exactly. bearing on reality and impact on life. Like that book isn't going to make you know my mum change her vote or something like that. It's just so that one journalist can hand another journalist the prize. You know, do, it, do we do we look at the same digital marketing award <laughs> uh, <laughs> sites? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the Robert Mugabe Digital Media Marketing Awards. Did you not? Oh, get, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you not get your invite, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, let's, let's move on to uh, the Mooch. Let's let's, yeah, let's move on because to the he's the White Knight of this story. Yeah, well, he actually uh, he had a, he had an arc, a moral arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let Let's talk about your friend and your mentor, Anthony Scaramucci, who was Anthony. Sir- who White House, White House director of communications <laughs> for 10 days, which is a bit like, you know, when people go on an extreme holidays so that they can sort of get a thrill out of life. It kind of feels like he went on an extreme sort of um, career for 10 days and then has just been living, basking in that glory ever since. And as you, you know say, what, what's so great about it is that every time he's interviewed about it, and like he he'll make a joke like you know it was this many minutes or seconds, <laughs> but he always it's it, what's great about it is that he talks more about trying to get a job. He talked about like the interview <laughs> process, how rights freezes blocked him off. There's there's thirteen that there's probably three months of of stuff, maybe even thirteen months of trying to get into the Trump campaign that he'll talk about, and the, the job itself it just it only lasted ten you know ten days. Well, I'm going to take a slight issue with the question because I actually think the White House is on track and we're actually, I think, doing a really good job. Well, I actually do think from a messaging perspective because we have a whole list of things. And I, I didn't want to come out here with our list of accomplishments and start a whole advertisement infomercial right now. I really just wanted to talk about the personnel movement and how we're thinking about things. But I, I, think, we're, I think we're doing an amazing job. Uh, the president himself is always going to be the president. Uh, I was in the Oval Office with him earlier today, and we were talking about letting him be himself, letting him express his full identity. I think he's got some of the best political instincts in the world, and perhaps in history. If you think about it, he started his political ascent two and two two years and two months ago, and he's he's done a phenomenal job for the American people. And the people I grew up with, they so identify with the president, and they love him. And so we're going to get that message out. In all reality, he is a footnote in this 
Trump White House. I mean, he is kind of nothing. He's a, he's a joke character who appears in just a couple episodes of off a TV show and then is yeah. immediately written out. But we, but we he's have... a, he's got great like um, I don't know. Is he, like he could probably <laughs> have been in in the in the band with Frankie Valley. He's 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 great. <laughs> he's got good hair. He does. He's got have, good hair. He does have good. You know, like in in the nineteen fifties, that he probably would have been too Italian to be in film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. They would have been, they would have made cartoons about him. That's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. You know, once it gets to the seventies and stuff, once um, different immigrant groups start to get into Hollywood and start to express themselves, he would have he would have flourished, I think. Absolutely. I mean, Scaramucci is such an interesting character because, like, I mean, he was a fundraiser for Obama and that kind of thing. I mean, he he paid. I'm just looking at uh, this is the level of research that we go to. I'm reading his Wikipedia page and it says Scaramucci paid one hundred thousand dollars to have Skybridge Capitals logo and two cameo appearances in the film. Wall Street money never never sleeps, which is just fantastic. I mean, he is the ultimate Wall Street guy, and he's paying money to be in a Wall Street film. Yeah, and- like he's because there's so there's all these guys like I, I you'll meet in the city in London, and you probably meet them in New York as well. They're like, I come from bunfuck nowhere. <laughs> I really wanted to come to the city to work in the financial sector, and this is my dream. And and he but he's the best of those kind of guys. Yeah, like he's the most ideal one for those guys, and yeah, so he, and he's living the dream, you know. Like, he is, and you know, as well, we're we're kind of an odd cross section of being basically both cop, uh, capitalist and communist, but yeah. I think we, we both agree that we love the mooch. Just because, I mean, to be honest, I completely forgot about the mooch until you talked about him the other the other week. Like, I literally forgot that was a person, and you, you then kind of remember, oh yeah, he, like the Trump White House is so insane. You just forget that these. Yeah, and it's and are... what's really good about it is that it's like, it's like a show, like you know those like shows with really big costs, and then, like you have an actor who will come in, mm-hmm. and you might forget about him, but you realize it's like, damn, what a great character actor. I wonder what yeah. he's doing now. Like, do, do you know he's a bit like? Uh, do you do you, do you, did you ever watch Thirty Rock? Yeah. He's a bit like Doctor Pachemin, i.e., Doctor Spaceman. Oh He'll yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of come come in for like an odd episode here and there, and just say ridiculous things, and then just kind of leave, and then you won't see him again for a few weeks. He's kind of like a Doctor Pachemin, Doctor Spaceman sort of. I don't know if that makes Trump Tracy Jordan. I'm not sure, but it is similar sort of just wacky things that will happen. You know, whether it is you know writing. I mean, the fact that Scaramucci has like various books that he's published over the years about being a Wall Street guy is just fantastic. Like. We obviously just want to read these books and sort of live up to the the legend, which is the mooch. But yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know what. I they're... think another great thing about and this and this uh, another great thing about Anthony Scaramucci is that I think like he, remember when he did have that interview and he lost his job, well, kind of a little bit after the interview. But he had the interview and he talked about Steve Bannon. You know, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own. (laughs) (laughs) But like he's but he's he's definitely contradicted that statement in his life. Oh, yeah. Because like and we we do have it today. Like we didn't have it like 10, 15 years ago. Like everyone knows who gives political advice for 
to Boris Johnson. Everyone knows to give political advice to Donald Trump. Like Steve Bannon and Dominic Cummings, these people, they're clearly trying to build their own brands under these politicians. And Anthony Scaramucci is is no different, you know? Yeah, of course. He just failed at it, but failed in a way that allowed him space in public life forever, I don't know. (laughs) And I suppose we should point out that so the Mooch lasted 10 days and probably part of the reason he failed so quickly was that he basically phoned up a New New Yorker reporter and gave a very bizarre interview where he was shouting about how he was going to fire everyone in, in the White House staff for leaking information and this kind of stuff. And as you say, he gave that quote about Steve Bannon and then he was kind of subsequently fired by Trump. But you can, whereas sort of Spicer and Sanders, you know, they still, to some degree or another, they still told the party line and they're still kind of fairly close with Trump. Scaramucci, you know, he talked about his love and respect for Trump when he got got the job first of all. And now he's swung the opposite way, as you say, he's actually got an arc. So, you know, he says things like the president is a fat blob or he's a diseased dad or he's an orange maniac. You know, these are all the sort of <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, things. there's there's even a, I I think a, a an Australian show where he like made some comment or like some intonation about the, the president having a small uh... <laughs> <laughs> small uh, yeah person. like a small it, yeah he's what he's trying to do is he trying he's trying to hurt the I guess like they probably kind of understand each other a little bit they're they're both like blowhards they probably have like quite small egos yeah and like he on he so he understands i i but the the whole thing about trump being a a blue collar president is something that he was trying to push which in many ways is is like what steve bannon is saying but you know steve bannon is a guy I and some people don't believe this, but you know, I think Steve Bannon is a guy who thinks constantly about his theories of life. Like he's like a <laughs> mid. He he probably could just get on a, a on a doctoral program or something. But he's he's a, like a, a mid tier intellectual, and mm-hmm. he's always thinking about this stuff. Bannon yeah. is just the rep, and 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 the thing about Bannon, he 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 was on Wall Street. He worked on Wall Street as well, but. Bannon, but the difference between Bannon and, and um, Scaramucci is that Scaramucci is Wall Street. Yeah, he like is. he's just the embodiment of it. Like, and his ambitions outside of it are many ways like Trump. They're sort of stylistic and in ways to expand his ego. He's not a not a deep critical thinker about life. And <laughs> and the fact that he he gave money to the uh, Obama campaign and to the yep. Clinton campaign. Like he's he's a he's basically someone who's very liberal on social issues, and he's a sort of a fiscal conservative. Yeah, but he he's he's probably the kind of person who today in today's politics is probably a little bit homeless. I think you know, and so it's super easy for someone like that to to get to a point where they find Trump's comments too racist, or or they find that the president uh to to be against the, the norms that that we think we hold or we feel that are, are important i think mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's his arc is 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 interesting only in the sense that the character is colorful it's very it's it's quite you know simple and yeah. and and he probably 
and in and in, in, in the way that we talked about Spicer and we talked about Sarmers, like they together they've sort of formulated the theory of the public relations in this um, Trump White House. But Scaramucci hasn't really. He's, just, <laughs> no. he's, he's a he's a very colorful footnote. Yeah, Scaramucci. He doesn't. He's not added anything really to the White House other than just being some ca- colorful character who sort of sits outside of it. Really, I mean, as you say, academics are not going to be reviewing how Scaramucci changed the shape of you know political activity or political communication. Whereas they will generally say that about Spicer and Sanders and how they were able to uh, devalue the, the role of the press secretary, etc. You know, the Scaramucci is just this sort of funny living embodiment of Wall Street. I mean, it, it's, as you say, it is, it, it's very funny just how much of a Wall Street guy he is. He is pure Wall Street. And, you know, now he's he's living off the fact that he worked for Trump for 10 days and he's now a political talking head. And yeah. We, and we, and one thing I really want is for Scaramucci to run for governor <laughs> of New York or something like that. Like, it would be amazing. I think uh-huh. he could have... I think he could have beaten quote. I, I don't know why they ran ran that Sex in the City lady. It could have beaten Quo, man. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the level of discourse in this podcast is a lot lower because you know we just we're, we're living in the gutter right now. Yeah. We're one of the very few podcasts that are brave enough to be pro Scaramucci. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 our, 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 we should change our uh, our icon to just be like the American flag with Scaramucci's hair, just sort of put in the center of it, because he he is very much our political leader. I think you know. I, I, if I would canvas with Scaramucci, <laughs> giant smile on my face, I, I it would be it'd be a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's at the level of the politics is culture, it's, yeah, yeah, he's a, a great brand. I think. He is. He is fantastic. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Toby, to either the Mooch or Spicer or Sanders before we head off? Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you if you look at these these guys, I think together they've they've been able to change the nature of the role and the nature of political discourse. Uh, and and I, and then I think in a in quite a frightening way. Even though they've given us, I mean, at least Spice and the Mooch have given us some laughs. I think the one who stands above, and and you know, maybe not in in the in the TV annals, but in, in, in definitely when you, people are writing books about what happened in this period, it's it's going to be Sanders. It is, yeah. She's yeah. she's very much the leading figure here. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, it will be interesting to see whether or not Stephanie Grisham can continue that legacy of being a terrible person but actually being competent, or whether or not she'll just be a joke. I suppose we'll see how long she lasts. Yeah. I think it will be. We are entering a really interesting time now because all the other press secretaries, well, the two press secretaries we've had in the Trump White House, they've been dealing with a Trump presidency, whereas theoretically Grisham could be dealing with the end of the Trump presidency, depending on how the election goes and how long she stays around for. Mm-hmm. Being around for an election could drastically shape the role of the press secretary, and we will see whether or not they will go more on the attack and whether or not they will more outwardly start attacking political opponents and whether or not we will get to the kind of 
the point of uh, Russia or you know uh, certain places in Africa where it's it's not just a press secretary who is serving the role of communicating to the people from the White House. It's very much an attack dog for a president who doesn't want to give up power. And I, I guess we'll see whether or not Grisham or whoever then replaces her will take that mantle and really run with it and whether or not in in a way I'm very glad that Sanders isn't going to be there for the 2020 election because I do think she could have been a very powerful ally for Trump but whether or not she would have stepped her game up even more I, I don't know but it's it's going to be fascinating in the next year or so to see the role of the press secretary in the time of an election which is something we've not seen in a, in a Trump White House yet yeah yeah and I do think like in other parts of the world like um, when they are spokesmen, or where someone does put something in the in the news about the the uh, political leader, and it's funded by a political leader, it's usually quite the they're very emotive opinion pieces. And I think what's great about Sanders, or, or <laughs> what's uh, sort of scary about Sanders, is that it's it's simple, and it's it it com- I think it sort of comes across as if. Uh, th- th- these are the facts, and th- there's no dis- disagreement about them. And uh, you shouldn't even really be trying to engage with me in a discussion about them. So yeah, it's, I think it is it is unique. In that way. Yeah. Well, um, before we go, just a reminder that uh, you can subscribe to both this uh, podcast, uh, Impressions of America Politics, and the main Impressions of America. Po- uh, you can subscribe to the American Impressions of America Politics podcast and the main Impressions of America podcast. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes, uh, Spotify, anywhere else you can get your podcast. And if you'd like to leave uh, reviews on iTunes, etc., that would be really, uh, really great. Uh, Toby and I are a way to uh, now basically start our uh, 2020 Mooch campaign. And you can look forward to that in the coming weeks and months as we... Uh, try and get Mooch elected to some political office or another, or maybe just get him on Dancing with the Stars with Spicer. I think those would be quite a... Quite no, a no, that's... that's, that's uh, Spicer's a fool. Yeah. I think Saunders... I mean, she doesn't need any help from anyone. She's going she's gonna to be in power somewhere yeah. in, this, in, the, in the country. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, maybe we can Mooch. get the Mooch on this show. Well, call us, man. It's, yeah. And... Um, like, dude, we we could really, you could, I mean, it's, it's, I think that if you looked at Giuliani, right, mm-hmm. Giuliani, and you looked at his campaign, his campaigns in the, in the late 80s, they were, they were law and order campaigns, and they were harsh yeah. campaigns, they were hard campaigns. Mm-hmm. Scaramucci, you're, 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 he's, Scaramucci's fun, it's a celebration <laughs> of what New York has become, and exactly. we can sweep under the rug all of the pain, all of the the the, the poverty, the inequality. We could just it could just be fun, man. We could just be Wall Street guys. Ah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I think um, I think it's quite clear that if we don't get the mooch on this show in the next couple of years, we'll have failed. So yeah. that that's definitely our aim. Okay, from the Mooch, Toby and myself, thank you very much for listening and uh, we will no doubt have another episode for you in the near future. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye.